Hello and welcome. You are listening to Navigating the Metaverse, where we interview trailblazers in the NFT and metaverse space who share their insider advice for how to do business in the Web 3.0 era. Your host is Maso DiBartolo. By the way, did you know that you can buy, sell, and trade virtual land inside of Upland, the metaverse that is mapped to the real world? You can download Upland on iOS or Android or enter it on the web by using the referral link in the show notes. Grab your special sign-up bonus of 6,000 UpX today and start rebuilding the world with others. With that being said, enjoy today's episode. And we are live. Boom. Welcome to another episode of Navigating the Metaverse. I have a great lineup of uh, peers, of speakers in Web3 and Metaverse. We'll be talking about a really um, intriguing topics, but uh, let me first introduce here um, the guests. We have Sandra. Sandra Halo is head of Metaverse and NFTs at Zilakia and co-founder of Metapolis. Sandra, what a pleasure to have you here. Thanks. Nice to be here with everyone. And we have Mohan Kuldeep Ponada. Did I butcher, butcher, your, butcher your name? No, no, you got it right. I hope not. I, ho- I, really got I, it right. I hope not. Come on. Uh, uh, is the co-founder yeah. and CEO of Metapolis, uh, uh, the first Metaverse as a service platform. What a pleasure to have you, Mohan. Thank you, Tom. Excited to be here. And uh, Paul Biondic. I was almost about to add an Italian accent to it, depending on how you pronounce it, right? Uh, Biondic, right? Is it, is it correct, Paul? Uh, Beyond Ditch, it's close. My name Beyond is Ditch, okay. Beyond Ditch, okay. <laughs> As the community lead at Axis Infinity. You know, you guys have an advantage. You are not pronouncing my, you know, first and last name. Otherwise, you would say, is this budget? Well, yeah. that's such a pleasure to have you here. We're going to talk about all things metaverse, lessons learned, frameworks, KPIs, even though we are still early uh, days with the topic of the metaverse, right? But we hear over and over that metaverse is all about experience. It's all about ownership. And at the center of all this community, which is different than what we had in Web2, which were called followers. Paul, given the fact you are community lead at Axis in Infinity, and Exit Affinity has surpassed 4 billion in all NFT sales, so meaning a very involved community. Really curious here to pick your brain and share some lessons learned. Well, how exactly have you guys at Access Infinity built such a vivid and opposing community? What can you share with us? Well, that, there's a lot to say there. Um, and maybe I'll just offer a couple of thoughts and other people can chime in. Um, awesome. I think, I think at the core, um, people enjoy having fun um, and they, they want to have a way to express themselves and they want to contribute to something that's bigger than themselves. And um, I think Axie Infinity um, was uh, presented to the world at an interesting time where the idea of being able to um, play with assets that you owned and then be able to continue to participate in an evolving ecosystem around this, what we're thinking of as a franchise with Axie Infinity, a whole world of gaming experiences. I think it's gotten a lot of people excited. 
And I think that um, we are working really hard to do um, the job of um, creating opportunities for community members to contribute back in a way that lets them feel a sense of agency and ownership of the project. Um, so I think, you know, at the end of the day, what might have brought them in was an opportunity to have some fun playing a game, but what keeps them engaged is this idea of co-ownership, co-participation, uh, co-creation. Um, so, I mean, we can give lots of examples as we get into the, the conversation today, but I think that's at the core of it. I love it. Co-creation, co-participation. So you go in for the fun of the game, right? But then you start understanding, almost shifting your, your, your behavior due to this uh, ownership feeling that you have, right? Or the ownership uh, fact and status that you have, right? And then you start seeing that you add value to an ecosystem through, for the first time, actually, really co-creation and ownership at the same time. Uh, Mohan, you are in the space of Metaverse with an intriguing tagline, Metaverse as a service platform. Maybe let's stick first to the same uh, topic here of uh, community. What, what, what are your ingredients that you see in yeah. building a pulsing slash engaging community? What are your experiences there? Okay. Uh, am I audible to you, Tom? I see yeah. that my network is a little choppy. Yeah, no, I, I, okay. I hear you. Okay. So in the context of Metaverse, yeah, okay. Uh, in the context of uh, Metaverse as a service uh, and uh, in including community, in fact, we are opening up a very, very exciting content uh, creator program because uh, if you look at it from a different perspective, right? Think of, uh, there's only one Metaverse and all, all, the, all the enterprises, users, products will be on the Metaverse. So that's an iteration of the internet, right? So iteration of the internet as we know it. What Metapolis is doing is we are building the foundational technology that defines the aspects of interoperability, security, accessibility, and scale. So now we open up a lot to the community to participate because we see community as a very, very important part of this, this whole growth product where they can come in and contribute with their assets. They can come and contribute with their knowledge. They can come and contribute with their, with integrations, plugins, gamification, uh, or even community management, for the example. So when it comes to building metaverses, there's a lot of effort that goes into building digital worlds, right? So one, one very big aspect that we are opening up to community very soon is the aspects of creating digital assets. So, you know, think of it like uh, uh, an open source product like WordPress, okay, where, where it's a platform, companies can come and start building their own websites. Community also adds plugins, they also add the templates, they also add the designs, right? So that's how we are building Metapolis. We want community to be a very, very active part of this. And in fact, I resonate uh, very, very strongly with what, what Paul said of ownership and agency. Because the more ownership the community is able to take into this, I think the more engaged they are. So we want to have a very engaged community here. I love the idea of empowering the community, right? When what you just said, right? By providing um, tools at the end of the day, right? For them to contribute, right? And are, are those yeah. tools that are no-code or uh, no-code uh, developing tools or, or designer tools or, or, or APIs? Uh, what, what kind of tools are you providing the community? 
This is a very, very good question, Tom. Thanks for asking this. Actually, I was about to deep dive into that and I was wondering if it's appropriate to go that deep. Uh, so we have different tools in the spectrum, starting from the extreme technical where users can submit their fully coded plugin because we have uh, we have an SDK that they can use to integrate our services and submit the code, which will then be evaluated and added as a plugin. That's one type. On the other spectrum is a no-code platform where uh, 3D artists, designers, production guys, artists can come and create their digital worlds and upload it into our backend, which will then be utilized into a library and then used by the users, by, by product uh, developers or enterprises or companies. So they are on both spectrums. We don't have a limitation on how a community can participate. Uh, we haven't opened this up yet because we are testing it. But very soon, this will open up. But the way we see it, and it ties back into your question, is not only we are not trying to build community engagement through this, we see this as a very, very important economic driver for our community. Yeah, a fundamental one, right? For them to contribute. Yeah. Sandra, what are your yeah. thoughts on uh, community building and, and more so experiences? What have you seen? You work uh, for Silka, right? And have uh, a platform for decentralized application, which you make it fast and reliable, right? What have you seen uh, that uh, has been working in terms of community creation? I mean, I guess community creation in itself kind of needs to be driven by a reason. That's why people build communities because they want mm -hmm. to achieve something or they want to connect over something. Uh, if you look at the entire creator economy space, I think it becomes clear that we have taken power from what generally used to be um, in the hands of big companies or big organizations and now given it to individuals. And we've now allowed them to kind of merge and interact with the end user without there being a middleman in between. So the change that we have seen is happening through, well, from our perspective anyways, uh, design. So design can actually impact change and how people interact, react, and how they um, connect with each other. But also it's the niche, I guess you could say, or the vision that people connect with each other over that really drives this community building. Because if people are connecting over NFTs, then chances are you're going to find them in these communities. If they're connecting over metaverse play or over technology or you know, whatever kind of really triggers their interest, then a community is going to start forming. And that just goes by human nature. Uh, and then, you know, of course, you add tech to it and some good community management and you see, you know, good engagement start to flourish. I love it. This is so fundamental, right? Before the community, the center of the community, there is a purpose and a vision, right? So you don't build just a community uh, because you want them to, you know, earn, right? Because otherwise it becomes too transactional. Um, but but the vision is fundamental here, where you want to go, and then you provide them uh, the assets and the tools, right? And I've been asked a lot um, to actually define also this word of create. I mean, we we in Web3, we use this word of co-creation, collaboration, I think with a different meaning, right? Do we want to all together maybe come up here with, uh, not come up, but uh, share uh, an example of how does co-creation look like I mean co means between one party and another party slash between multiple parties right how does co-creation look like for those who have never been in access uh, Paul can you can you describe this um, have you have you all ever um, heard the story of the book the Martian and how it got developed does that does that book resonate or the, the movie with uh, I can't remember his name but uh, 
the, the famous actor that was in um, a number of movies. But anyways, it's a really popular book and series. And it was an author that um, created some draft chapters and put those chapters into a Reddit and a, a swarm of people interested in science fiction went and tore it apart, um, suggested better science, uh, went and did research for him, suggested new ideas, and took what was a raw form of a sculpture and turned it into a beautiful uh, piece of art. And so um, the way that we like to think about um, uh, community co-creation is in laying, as um, was said earlier, some foundational pieces that um, we have some collective agreement on. And so you lay out those straw men and then you let, you let a collection of people that have a broad set of skills and experiences help to refine it and make that thing something beautiful and perhaps something maybe even different than you uh, imagined. But the idea is that you allow people to come with the skills and experiences they have and contribute in ways that are fun and valuable to them. You let you give them agency and then you acknowledge it in a positive way. And, and oftentimes it's not even the financial benefit that people want. They just want to be shown or told that the, the way that they spent their time has meaning and relevance to this community. A lot of times the currency that we found is most important within our community is not a financial one. It's just simply being recognized as being appreciated for what they've done. And oftentimes when people buy into a mission, they just want to spend some time and contribute in a meaningful, unique way. Um, so from my perspective, co-creation is that process of going from rough ideas to something that's beautiful and refined and is co-owned because everyone has had a way to bring their own unique input and influence into that product. As a result, it's, it's belonging and being basically a, a gratitude for you having participated in something. It's not so much the extrinsic reward slash the financial, but more the intrinsic, right? So the, the path and, and, and the way is actually what makes them, uh, what satisfies uh, the, the community, right? Very intriguing. Well, I think, I think in Web3, everything has this underpinning of finance and tokens, but I think we completely underestimate how important it is to just get peer acknowledgement, peer support, gratitude. Like I think a lot of people, even though they're working within, within a financial underpinning, I think a lot of times the most active community members are not really as focused on that. I think it is a side benefit, um, but oftentimes, at least in the Axie Infinity community, we have people that are creating scads of content, art, um, supportive information and looking for no financial return. They're just looking to be a part of the movement. Um, so I, love it. I don't know what it's worth. I love it. I love it. Sandra and Moan, you guys are working together, right? And, and not only on, on two levels, one on the infrastructure level and then also as, as co-founders. Right? Let's talk from a, from a infrastructure level perspective, right? What actually uh, excited you, Sandra, when, when you met Mohan about uh, what the Mohan uh, uh, Mohan's vision of Metapolis and the metaverse as a, as a service. Uh. I guess you could say it was a joint vision that came together, to be honest. Okay. So, okay. you know, if, if you look at how Metapolis has evolved and how it's become, our core focus is on building a world that's open and accessible for all. That's the next iteration of the internet and that bridges the gap between the physical and the digital worlds. 
Uh, the reason we want to do that is that we're not looking at building a gamified world. What we want to build is a sustainable, safe and secure world that people can use their avatars to engage with. And that really comes from the understanding of what is needed from a tech perspective, from a community perspective, and from a traditional or even, um, I guess you could say web two perspective of how brands connect and interact with the, again, end user and uh, their communities and even with each other. So the vision largely is growing within the space. We are the first metaverse as a service platform that actually operates from point A to point Z and delivers to all of our partners and clients. Um, our vision is to build an IO world where your avatar becomes your identity and you can you know, teleport and move between these worlds securely because the future, if we are now looking at what currently exists in the market, you have a lot of uh, different chains and you have a lot of different kind of worlds popping up. But if you had to, let's say if me and you had to communicate, but each one of us had a different email and I had to change a browser or I had to you know, set up a new email to communicate with you, Chances are I probably won't do that um, because the barrier to entry and the friction is too high. So what we're looking at doing is giving everyone that standard where they can build this IO world where humans or individuals and even brands don't really need to change from wallet to wallet, from blockchain to blockchain. They can still remain, belong and interact on one layer and uh, continue that growth because you know a, a metaverse is more than just what engagement occurs on it, even though that is a very big part, it's also how is it elevating the innovation that we currently have to add value to the physical world and what we're bringing from our background and from our experience to bridging that gap and making it you know, seamless, making it accessible, making it easy. And uh, you know, like we take into, we take into, into our thoughts when we're designing anything is how are we going to make this inclusive for everyone? Not everyone has the same, you know, internet speed. Not everyone has the same computer at home. Not everyone has the same access to certain, you know, maybe apps or certain uh, hardware that is needed to run specific worlds um, that they might need to download or interact with. So a lot goes into what we're doing and what we're building. And I guess one thing I want to say is that there's a lot of people out there who are building, again, these metaverses, but unless it comes from a group of people who really understands how to grow the tech and the vision, it will reach a point where it might become stale and there might have issues arise that people haven't really thought of. I love the vision and I super accurate. You know, portability and going from a metaverse to metaverse seamlessly, right? By carrying your identity, your your backpack of uh, of the digital you, right? That you own the communication, the assets, the tokens, right? Okay, Metaverse Nation. Great news! If you're enjoying this episode, you'll love our book, written by our lovely co-hosts and industry leaders in the NFT and metaverse space. We published an in-depth guide for how to succeed in the new Web 3.0 environment. How can you as a brand or a company capitalize on the momentum? How are others doing it? We demystify the industry and potential for you. The link to the book is listed in the show notes, or you can simply look for the Navigating the Metaverse book on Amazon or visit our website at themetaversebook.me. But let's get back to the show. 
Mohan, can you give us an example of metaverse as a service, right? Right now, the entire world and most of the world, I'd say 99.9%, um, which are not crypto aficionados, right? They say they're still on what is this metaverse, right? Now you have a metaverse as a service. Can we make it more tangible? So what is a metaverse as a service as an example? Can you give us an example? Um, Sandra said A to Z. Okay. Uh, again, I think it's a brilliant question because it answers uh, something very, very important. Right now, if any... so. First, to understand metaverse as a service, it's important to understand what the metaverse metaverse is, right? At least a fundamental understanding of it. Often people can confuse themselves between the gamified worlds and metaverse. Metaverse is an iteration of the web 2.0 as we know it. It's not just web 3D, right? It's not web, it's not just a 3D web. Metaverse includes an extension of web 2.0, all the services, all the authentication, security layer. APIs, consumption, speed, scalability, infrastructure, everything is packaged and then it's kind of multiplied by a factor of let's say 100 or 1000 so that it, it gets to a metaverse level. Now, everybody who is in web 2.0 right now, every brand, every product, every enterprise, every user at some point has to migrate into a web 3 or a metaverse experience, right? Early adopters in this space today and in a few years time will become as powerful as the digital natives today, right? I mean, early adopters have a very powerful place to be. Now, if you look at uh, an enterprise or a, a company that wants to have presence in the metaverse, it is unreasonable to expect just because they want to be on the metaverse that they create a whole team because creating a metaverse is not just about creating gamified world. And I keep repeating that to, to emphasize it enough. They can't, they can't go out of their way, create budgets to have a team that understands the metaverse, have an in-house team that manages it and builds it. Rather, they approach experts like this where, where we say that here's a platform. You don't have to worry about it. Let us know what your vision is and then what, your, uh, what you want to do on the metaverse. So basically, let's say if it's a financial institution, we take the services of the financial institution and extend it into the metaverse, right? By the same services. The underlying Web2 services, the security, the authentication layer, all of that is extended from Web2. But then we provide the technology, the platform, the scale, the infrastructure, the team, the design, the architecture, everything, everything. And then we say, here you go, here's a package solution and you just access it via this URL. Okay, and that's all they have to do. They just have to plan their PR and their, uh, if they have any training that they want to do for the users, that's about it. That's everything they have to do. So think of it like if I have to really simplify it and put it in a Web2 perspective, think of it as a Shopify or a Squarespace or a Wix, right? Where all the brands will do is come and say, they'll choose a template, they'll choose a monthly price, and then they'll say deploy. And they have their website ready. All they have to do is fill in the content and then deploy. So it's that simple. So for, for early adopters to get onto the metaverse, the barrier of entry is actually finding the developers to do it. So we remove that hassle by saying, look, we take care of the whole thing. Our platform just enables you to build your own metaverse. And, uh, you know, and that's, that's working really well. We are seeing a lot of interest and, you know, we want to solve that problem. We don't want this to be the humans are visual people. Like we love visual experiences. The sooner we can get enterprises to adopt this, the more amazing the, internet and the metaverse is going to be. Okay, so 
So let me let me let me see if I got it right. You're saying rather than a uh, company X Y Z, okay, choosing a mm-hmm. uh, metaverse X Y Z, right? So another metaverse that is out there. I mean, today we can say you know there are the sandbox, the decentralands, right? The 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 uh, you know the super worlds of this world, right? Yeah. The, the uplands, right? Instead of instead of a yeah. company. Saying I do and create an experience in a specific location. What you guys are doing are allow yep. me to use a word kind of a white label company metaverse, right? Yes. That they then host on a yes. on a company URL, so that they can invite their yep. own community, right? Is this kind of okay? So what well, kind of ex- yes. sorry? Yeah. I, I would just add on to that. It's it's. When you look at it, when, when we say white label, there's more to it than just us being able to take what they have and rebranding it. Because, I mean, I'll give you a perfect example. Uh, I, I mean, I have a car. I assume everyone here has a car or some kind of vehicle that they use to get from point A to point B, right? We love them. They're good. They're efficient. They make life easier. But that doesn't mean I'm out building a car. And I highly doubt anyone here is out building a car. You know, we let the car experts <laughs> do that, the engineers, you know, come up with ideas and put them together. And this is exactly what we are looking at bringing to the market is that we are experts in what we do. We've thought of it from a tech perspective, from an engagement purpose perspective, from a design perspective, and to limit barriers to entry into Web3 or Web3.5 or, you know, whatever you want to call it, there needs to be that level of reliance on action leaders and, you know, people who come from a tech background to know how to set that standard. Otherwise, like I said previously, we will reach a point where there's going to be uh, an infinite number of worlds with an infinite number of wallets and uh, an infinite number of personalities because every time you have to set up a new avatar or a new wallet, you're setting up a new character for yourself, meaning that it would cause more barriers to entry and more issues rather than solve what we're trying to do with the blockchain. Yeah, I have a small That's extension good. to that, uh, yeah, um, please. if I may. Just a very small extension just to lay it out. Think of it, okay, I'll take a step back and say the same thing. There's only one metaverse, okay? There's just one, it's like internet. There's only one internet, right? There are different services on the internet. There's, the future has only one metaverse and every brand sits on the metaverse, right? Now, if if I have to, let's take, let's take examples of other metaverse providers out there. Uh, the way users access it is they go to that metaverse and then navigate to a certain land parcel to the experience. That's how it is built. But again, everyone who wants to visit the experience is forced to go into that website first and then from there navigate other NAG parcels, right? So it's not really a metaverse in the sense. It's it's more like a gamified world. Uh, very close to metaverse, but gamified. But what we are doing is that on the metaverse, we are allowing brands to go on the metaverse and we are building an interoperable, interoperable metaverse, right? Like what Sandra said earlier, an IO metaverse. If you're on the 7th, 7th Avenue in New York and let's say that there's a different currency on 8th Avenue, you can spend dollars in 7th Avenue and you have to do pounds in 8th Avenue. You will not go, you will not spend spend that currency, right? So our technology allows brands and enterprises, partners to come up with their own versions of cities or they can call mini metaverses that sit there. People can travel between any webs in similar to traveling between websites. They can travel from any metaverse to any metaverse using our yeah. digital avatars. Yeah. Yeah. No, understood. Understood. Makes totally sense. Congratulations on what you guys are doing. It's a, it's a great, it's a great vision. Absolutely see a need there. 
Paul, I know we could talk for hours. I love these conversations. I mean, this is so much learning, right? And so much new stuff, right? And so much new needs that we are solving, right? Um, the uh, the current situation, we're recording this in mid-2022, uh, right? Uh, we are in a bear market. We know that the Web3 is a long term. Uh, we know that the, what also Mohan said, I absolutely echo that. Whomever has been started building on Web2 is moving slowly into Web3 from a, from a perspective of uh, you know, infrastructure as well as from a perspective of needs, right? Um, the world where we read about, especially you know, tokens right now, is everything is down, right? Um, how do you keep up the community sentiments? How do you keep uh, the, uh, the a positive spirit in the community? when uh, they're literally vested, right? Not just in time they dedicate, but also financially, right? What can you share here with us? What are your experiences? And by the way, I want to disclose, I'm also a token holder here of Axis Infinity. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me just start by saying that the early history, uh, coincidentally, is that, you know, Axis started within a bear market. Um, and so it didn't, It didn't start because of a speculative opportunity, but um, as it built out some of its ecosystem, um, uh, some opportunity uh, came, which helped to bring a lot of attention to Axie. I, I think the core thing I would say is that um, the, the project founders and I think our growing team has done a pretty good job of describing like what our long-term vision is, which is to create this universe um, where um, players or individuals can hold these assets, these uh, pieces uh, of land or these axes, these digital creatures. And those creatures are embedded within a well-described expansive lore, uh, a universe that we've, we, we've invested considerably into that will create many different opportunities for gaming experiences. And I think um, as people wrap their mind around that, they understand what's involved in that. They understand the amount of work it takes. And this is not the activity of, you know, a year or a project. Uh, this is something that goes on for quite some time. And so most of our community process, at least the way that we try to lead it, is focused really around the goal of developing that universe of lots of different gaming opportunities. And it's less really about token price. And I think what we've tried to communicate in our, our, our community financial model is that we have a marketplace where people can transact and that marketplace um, generates uh, tolls And those tolls are put into a treasury that is owned and ultimately will be managed by the community. So the community is incented to build out that infrastructure to create value. And that value is manifested within a treasury and that treasury will be at the discretion of the community members to decide how it's resourced. And so I think what, what inspires people is less the, the opportunity around the token. I do think that there are obviously those that value that clearly, but I think um, the community members that started in the bear market started from the vantage point of wanting to build something profound. 
um, on top of a, of a financial foundation. And I think many of the people that continue to engage, which are like so many people that were having a hard time finding ways to like give them concrete things to do, to be honest with you. I think that there's a significant momentum around that. And so I, I think it really gets to, um, you know, our colleagues' comments very early on that a community without a goal is really kind of this amorphous uh, set of interested people. But when you have a very concrete goal, and in the case of Axie, it was building this expansive u uh, universe to which there are multiple gaming experiences to which there are these core things, these digital creatures that you own and can take through and create those adventures and be a part of those experiences. That's something that people get excited about. People are spending tons of time gaming as a distraction and for fun. And so we want to tap into that to build out this universe. And whether we call that a metaverse or not, I think, you know, I don't know if that's necessarily the point. I think we all as organizations contribute to building this out to collectively and how all of our experiences uh, come together or help refine what we think of as the metaverse, I think is really important. I think that creativity and unlocking people to do stuff now while others are thinking about uh, a, a supportive weave of infrastructure that might allow us all to come together. I think it's all very complimentary and supportive. So I applaud the creative work that my colleagues are doing. We're choosing to go deep and focus around gaming and it, it's unclear as to how they'll interrelate, but we're excited and enthusiastic and open to all opportunities. I love it. I love it the way that you put it. So first, again, it's all about the, the mission and the vision because only that way you are uh, you you build a glue towards a community that will, that knows exactly uh, why they're doing it. That, that the in, the incentive is is not the external uh, monetary monetarized uh, reward system, but really the the being part, the belonging, right? The ownership, right? The the, the contribution of it, right? And um, I would like to kick off things now, the lightning round, the very last questions. Um, again, today here an episode of Navigating the Metaverse with Sandra Paul and Mohan. Lightning round is a quick answer from, uh, obviously, the three of you, starting out with uh, Sandra. Sandra, um, I know 10 years in tech is a lot. Now 10 years in Web3 is even more, longer, right? So take us down uh, the year 2032. What's your vision of uh, the Web3 slash metaverse and what obstacles do you see to get there? <laughs> you know, I, I actually got asked this question this morning at a panel I was on <laughs> the same exact okay. okay, somebody is so, listening to podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, I think, I think it's only fair I give the same answer that I, that I kind of gave them, which is I'm, I, for me, it's important to not hypothesize because the innovation is happening at lightning speeds. And for me to probably sit here and say, you know, this is why what I think 2030 or 2032 will look like is going to be <laughs> extremely difficult because to me, the way I see it is that if we hypothesize and if we put uh, a vision to what we could achieve, sometimes that could hinder growth because either we feel we're going too fast or we're not going fast enough. So I'd rather leave it open-ended and just say that as long as we're innovating and we're all, you know, creating and moving together with a vision of progress to bring a new engagement layer to how people interact and how people behave with each other in the digital space and within the metaverse, then we're on the right track. You know, at the end of the day, 
this isn't a race. Um, we are building, people are building this as they go along. You know, people have thought about this from many years back and it's now coming to fruition, even though it's always been there as a core tech um, vision. Now people are starting to get used to using words such as NFTs, such as metaverse, such as blockchain, um, you know, just the role that crypto in general has played in, in, in that. Uh, what I would like to say, though, is that I believe that in what we are witnessing now is still the educational phase. So I don't think that we are ready to move on to the phase where people start to mass onboard into uh, what is happening within Web3. So for me, if I had to break it down, I'd say, you know, Web3 is going to be all about education and all about setting the standard for what needs to ha happen and what needs to come. And then just for the sake of it, I'm just going to call it Web 3.5 is going to be when we start to see, you know, people interacting and starting to slowly onboard or mass onboard into the blockchain and Web 3, I guess you could say era or world uh, that is getting built. And then, yeah, we'll just continue with it. But something's, something new is happening every day. So, you know, 10 years in crypto is like going to bed and waking up tomorrow. So I <laughs> 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 can't really awesome. <laughs> okay, so it's it's all about education, and as long as we innovate, we are moving in the right direction. Thank you so much, Sandra. What's your vision? Ten years or five years? What's your big picture there, and what obstacles do you see, Mohan? Get there. For, uh, like, okay, extending to what Sandra and Paul said, uh, let's talk about the present first, and uh, I think I, I want to really summarize it really nicely so that the messaging goes out. I'm trying to see how well, how nicely to package it. <laughs> Firstly, when you look at what the state of metaverse is today, uh, each one of us here, right, is doing really great work. So let, if I start with Paul and Axie Infinity, in when you look at a game metaverse, I think they're doing a phenomenal job. I think they've figured out what the gaming metaverse should be like. They're, they're making all the right moves. The community is doing the right thing. It's we, In fact, I, I draw a lot of inspiration personally from the community and what Axie does. At Metapolis, we are looking at onboarding the enterprises from the future into the metaverse today. So we are working towards the future already by drawing inspiration from the learnings of the likes of Axie Infinity. But the way I see five years, right now five years and ten years in this time is, is not is not actually much of a difference. You know, they're probably very close uh, time time zones in in this time space. But it's going to. I think there's going to be a lot of uh, tech used here. Uh, it's not just going to be blockchain. It's going to be AI. It's going to be brain computer interfaces that will come into the whole picture. It's going to be meta humans that come into the picture. Digital identities are going to play a very big role. Uh, financial institutions will start digital compliances based on uh, digital identities. It is going to be a crazy world. I mean, you are, we are already sort of like using extended technology, right? We're using mobile phone as an extended part of our brain. But now if you have sort of brain computer interfaces, you will be living two sort of like two separate lives, one on the digital metaverse and one in the physical world. And that's why we are so focused on building the bridge between the physical and digital worlds. So it is, it is going to be so exciting. Uh, 10 years in this space is going to see a lot of changes, a lot of innovations. Uh, even as and when hardware, the limits of hardware are pushed. Right now, we are limited by hardware also. But in the next five years, if we are able to make a breakthrough in hardware, let's say something really cool happens in quantum computing or biological computing or something like that, something like that happens. Oh, my God. I think the, the possibilities are just 
just so exciting. So yeah, I I, I think it's going to be a really Thanks. good space to be in. Let's Thanks let's get people, your vision. Let's get people using AR first, and then we'll move to quantum computing. <laughs> 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 AR is just global. Augmented reality is just a interface. Right? Yeah. No, I completely agree with you. I think oh. I think the 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 possibilities are endless. But yeah, it's trying to plan for it is yeah. one of those things that kind of makes you want to go. Uh, could this actually one day happen? at a time? One yeah. day at a time, team. One day at a time. Patient, right? Behavioral change and adoption is always the biggest challenge. Paul, what is your vision as uh, the last year in the round with Lalise, please? Yeah, I guess I might I might be uh, the pragmatist of the crowd and maybe speak a little <laughs> bit to what I would like to see, um, but uh, uh, maybe that's just more my own personal aspiration. I guess the first thing I would say is. Um, if the past 10 years have taught me anything, it's that um, with the advent of the internet and the advent of distributed communication, the world has gotten a lot smaller for everyone. And I think in the process of the world getting smaller, um, people that have very specific interests and enthusiasms now have found that they can identify each other and get to know one another. And I think what I'm seeing with Axie Infinity is that at least as it relates to gaming, we now are getting past just talking with each other and sharing a space. We're moving into doing things together, um, playing games, uh, um, creating games together, advocating for those games. So with an Axie, what I've seen is an ability to work together virtually. And I think that if I were to fast forward, I think you could imagine that going beyond games. I think that could go into lots of ways of interacting with each other. But the things that you can do beyond talking today are somewhat limited. I think it's sharing resources, sharing work efforts. I think a lot of those things will start to be what is now known as the, met now known as the metaverse. And I think that there are some early examples around this, but if I, if I were to dream my dream, it would increasingly allow people that are really um, passionate and skilled around an area to find people like themselves, but be able to do it from wherever they're at and to derive value from that. I don't want it to be this dystopian place where I can only live. I want it to be a place where I can be enabled to be my best self and to live my happy life. Like I, there are so many people with an Axie who are living their best life, spending time, building tools, building content, having fun, playing games, and actually doing it in a way that creates value for other people. Like that's what we wanna see. And so from my perspective, the metaverse is an enabling milieu that allows that to happen at scale in a way that's equitable to people to where people's efforts actually reward them in an equal way. Phenomenal way to wrap up our uh, podcast, meet like-minded and derive value. And uh, this is it with uh, navigating the metaverse. Sandra, Mohan, Paul, thank you so much for doing this. Thumbs up. It's to here for those who are watching us on uh, the video. For those who are just listening, go to the video. We're seeing here some thumbs up. And as always, I'll meet you in the metaverse. Bye.
Thank you for listening. Another quick reminder about our referral code for Upland, the Earth's metaverse where you can flip virtual properties, become a MetaVentures entrepreneur, or just connect with other like-minded players to rebuild the world together. Download Upland on iOS, Android, or web today using the referral link in the show notes and get a 6,000 UpX sign-up bonus. Just a quick disclaimer, the information shared on this show is for entertainment purposes only. This is not investment advice. Thank you for joining us and see you in the metaverse.